Good morning, everybody. You guys doing okay? Good? Cold enough out there for you? All you Californianers are having second thoughts right now, aren't you? <laughs> Glad you guys are here this morning. Um, I mean that with all sincerity. Uh, thank you. I know that... that um, Everyone's busy. I know that this time of year is a little chaotic. Once we get past the holidays, it, it just seems like it um, kind of compounds. And um, I, I'm sincerely appreciative that you guys take the time to be at church. So we're doing vision service this weekend. We do this a couple of times a year. We've been doing this. I'm, this church will be 15 years old next month. And um, we've done this the whole time. Yeah, I've gotten progressively, uh, I've probably aged more in the last last 15 years, probably in the last five years, even more so than that. But so um, we've been doing this for a long time. It's very important. It's important for a couple of reasons. A, it holds us accountable. I'm going to show you where every single dollar of this church goes. Uh, we'll talk about things that we are doing, that we hope to do, some issues that we may, we may have to face, things like this. So it holds us accountable. Um, it's transparency. I hope it energizes people because it's exciting to kind of see where our church has come from and where it's going. And and uh, we started this church in 2009 with three people. It was me, my wife, and, and one other guy. And um, no support, no backing, no nothing like that. Just just very miraculous what God has done. Uh, and we'll talk about that a little bit today. Here, here's here's the tough thing. And I'm, I'm sighing and, and breathing hard and starting to sweat because uh, there's some tough stuff we have to talk about today too, guys. Just some 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 kind of house cleaning topics that we need to talk about and, and some things that we've noticed recently that are problematic. And, and I don't mean this to be sarcastic or snide. We're, we're, we're a mega church, um, but we've never functioned as one. And we're starting to see some, some kind of mega church mentality creep into our, our wonderful church. And, and I don't want it to. So we're going to talk about that and kind of address that a little bit. So um, here's the thing. Let me, let me give you a little preface. If you're brand new, if you just started coming to this church in the last couple of months, uh, you have no reason to get offended by anything I say this morning. If you are, seriously, if you are serving, involved, giving to this church, you have nothing to get offended by anything I say this morning. If you've been coming longer than six months and you're not doing any of those things, you'll probably feel a little bit of conviction this morning because we have to talk about it, okay? So we're, we're facing some, some issues we have to talk about how we're going to deal with those issues, or, or, or if we decide not to deal with those issues, we're just going to have to come to grips that um, we've we've reached our limit that we're that we're done. So, uh, um, all right, that sounds. I'm sorry that sounds so pessimistic, but you should have got a notes handout with everything in there. Please keep that. Stick it in your Bible. Stick it somewhere where you can hold on to it again. That holds us accountable. Everything will be on the screen. We'll be back in the scripture. Next weekend, we'll be back in 1 Samuel. That's what we do 99% of the time here at this church. And uh, after we get in with 1 Samuel, I don't know if I've told you this, we're going to go into Galatians. I don't know why I've never taught that before, but I haven't. Taught 38 books of the Bible, and that's never been one of them. And it's a short one, but we'll go into that. And um, after that, I think 2 Corinthians. So we'll be back in the Scripture next week, but this week we're going to talk about visions. So if you will, you're welcome to pray for me this morning. I'm going to pray and uh, we'll just talk about where our church is at, okay? Thank you guys again for being here. Father God, we love you. Lord, we thank you so much. God, we thank you for just how much you've done for this church. God, I thank you sincerely, God, for everyone in this room this morning. Um, we thank you, God, for all the, the benevolence and, and the, the servitude, God, and, and the dedication that, that, that many people have had in this church. We pray that you just keep your hand on our church. God, we also pray for our other campuses, the churches in their areas. God, the churches in Murfreesboro, we pray that every church has a vision and is successful, God, and advances your kingdom. And we pray that everything we do, not just what we talk about this morning, but, but everything we do all the time, God, through this, through this church, we hope that it honors you and blesses you, God, and, and, and it advances your kingdom. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. We pray all these things in your son's name, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you've never heard it before, before Webster called Authentic the Word of the Year last year, we have been saying that for a long time around here. Our vision service is to lead people to Christ through authentic worship, what we're doing right now, authentic community, and authentic community service. That's, that's our aim, that's our goal, that's our vision, that's what we hope to do as a church. Now, how we accomplish that is through this process. This is very, very simple. We're a very, very simple church. This is all we do. 
Uh, we're a big church, but we don't do a lot of things. This, this is what we do. We do weekend services, worship. Um, at those, we invite everyone to come to a next class. And we usually have really good attendance at those, 150 to 200 people every single month at those, where you come in, we give you a tour, we tell you a little bit more about the church, you get to meet some of us, I get to meet you, um, get to let you ask any questions you wanna ask about the church. And from this, we hope to get you into this circle right here. The most logical step is this development. That's like our following Jesus class and our authentic discipleship class. We have some other development classes, but those are the two that we really wanna get people in. Teaches you basic theology of Christianity, kind of basics about our church and how we respond to those basics of Christianity, how to make a disciple, how to be a disciple, simple stuff. From that, we wanna get you into a small group. We call them life groups, and that's a biblical thing. In the book of Acts, it says that they met in the temples and in the synagogues on the weekend, and then they met in each other's homes throughout the week. And so it's a biblical thing to be in small community like that, especially as the church gets bigger, just very, very important. So we wanna get you into a life group. We've been working really hard for about two years on building up that system and making that better. And then lastly, we just wanna get people serving. And that doesn't just necessarily mean here. We just want you to serve somewhere out in your community. We work with about 90 nonprofits um, and we just wanna get you plugged in serving somewhere. The reason why is that's also biblical. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. And that is, that's how Christ operated and we're Christians, we're designed to, to be servants. We're designed to go out and serve the community around us. So because of that blue slide that I just showed you, um, and I'll show you a little bit more why we think this is happening, but we are seeing tremendous growth at this church. And we always have for the last almost 15 years now, we've seen tremendous growth. But just recently, in about the last 14 months, uh, 14 months ago or 15 months ago, somewhere like that, we were averaging about 5,500 people between four campuses. Um, last weekend, we had just under 8,500 between four campuses. Just at this campus, we had just short of 7,000 people. Now that's, that's awesome, but even more cool than that is this yellow number here. Uh, in this campus last year, we baptized 450 between all four of our campuses. We baptized 531. Now, that's the most important number of any number we will talk about today. That is a very important number to me. Those are people being introduced into the family of God. That's, that's why we do everything we do, right? To see people's lives get saved and to see them be changed. So we baptized 531, that's fantastic. And a lot of people will ask, well, why is God blessing this church so much with the rapid growth? We're not a famous church. Uh, Mike always jokes around, we're the biggest church in America that no one knows exists. Um, there's no billboards of us around town. We don't have a big fancy building. We're kind of tucked away in a weird location. Um, so why are we growing so much? Well, people ask, churches ask from all over the country. Uh, we've had churches all over the world ask us, what is the secret sauce? What's the silver bullet? Uh, there is no silver bullet. We, we teach the Bible word for word. I think that's the number one reason why our church has grown so rapidly is the word of God draws People end, and a lot of churches say they teach the Bible, but we will read whole chapters and break it down. We've been through almost 40 books of the Bible. So about the time I retire, we will have done the whole thing. The last book I'm gonna do right before I retire is Leviticus. I'm gonna run this church right into the ground, <laughs> hand it to someone else, and I'm gonna move to a foreign country. So, but the, exp <laughs> the expository, we gotta laugh today. It's good for us. It's good for me. The expository teaching, we give a huge chunk of our income away. Um, not only do we give a lot of money away, but we are involved in our community. Let me give you a great example. When COVID happened, uh, the government shut down all of the government buildings here in Murfreesboro. That was a state thing. And one of the judges here in town, who's a, who's a friend of mine, she sent me a text and she said, we have drug court and this is very important for all these different men and women's rehabilitation so they don't go to jail. Do you guys have any ideas on what we can do. I said, come use the church. So because they couldn't use government buildings because it was shut down for a couple of months during COVID when everything was shut down, you would walk into our sanctuary, we would for work, and you would see a judge sitting here and people spread out all amongst the, the where you guys are sitting and a judge knocking down the gavel and doing stuff. And they had court in here. And that's the kind of reputation our church has in the community. When the city was shut down and didn't have a solution, they called us. That's, that's fantastic. Um, we're a church, thank you. There, no other service has clapped as much as you guys. Thank you. 
Um, this is a church that welcomes all people. That doesn't mean we agree with all people, but anyone is free to come through these doors and to come in and hear the gospel. We're a very simple church and we're a very genuine, sincere church. All we're doing here is we are using biblical tactics to get biblical results. To make disciples, to baptize, to teach. That's what Jesus told us to do in the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28. And we're just using biblical tactics to achieve that. And um, we're seeing good results. We're not just doing good things in our buildings. We're doing a lot of stuff beyond our building. Uh, this particular campus, we have a thing called 5,000, partners with Scott Foster over at Journey Home, which is a fantastic organization. We've been feeding people for about 14 years and uh, partnering with them. They're right across the train tracks. Work with Stepping Stones that deals with uh, homeless women and children and working with them for several years. We do a fantastic ministry here called Embrace Grace. Works with women who have had unintended pregnancies. Some of those women have chosen to get abortions and they're working through that spiritually and mentally. And, and here's the thing with that. I just want to explain a little bit about that because sometimes we get criticism over things like this. There are two ways to deal with uh, very serious topics like abortion. We're against abortion. Um, we can either call women names and say derogatory things and be hateful towards people, which I can't find anywhere in this book, or even when people make mistakes that we disagree with, we can wrap our arms around them, we can love them, we can share the truth with them, and we can see restoration in their lives. That's what we choose to do here. Um, we have something called bar ministry. That's where we set up a free hot dog stand outside of the square. Uh, we've been doing it every single Friday night for the last 14 years. People pour out of the bars. All there are are lawyers and bars now on the square, so everyone pours out. Uh, that was funny. Everyone pours out <laughs> of the bars and we are there to give them free hot dogs and something to, to drink, water or coffee, give them something to drink, make sure that they get into their, uh, that they get home safely, that they're not inebriated. And we don't blatantly talk about the gospel, but when you do nice things like that for people, they ask, why do you do this? Well, God loves you. We love you because God loves us. And, and we just want to make sure that you're safe. And we've seen tons of people come to the church, get baptized, uh, because of a hot dog of all things. Um, we do a thing called reclaimed ministry. There's a prison about a mile down the road this way. We do ministry for women and for men in the prison right down the street. We work with about 90 nonprofits locally in the four counties where we have churches. That's in our cities. Now in our state, our goal is to plant more and more churches in areas that do not have churches like this, that teach the Bible the way we do and reach out to the community the way we do. Planted this one in 09. Cannon County in 2017, that church runs about 800 people in a town of 2,100 people. Uh, they're doing really, really well out there. They also do five services and they're packed to the brim. Uh, we planted Shelbyville two years ago. We just planted Tullahoma last year. It's already running about 400 people out there. Uh, we have a ministers and training program. It's kind of like a residential uh, uh, program for, for interns so we can plant more and more churches. Um, we do a lot with churches in the Northeast. I would love to do more. It's a very difficult thing to get churches to, to trust us up there, but we do work in Delaware. We do work in New York. Uh, we do work in Massachusetts. We were just up, a team of us were just up in Massachusetts about a month and a half ago, helping them set up their live stream and a bunch of their audio and visual stuff. We're gonna start taking mission trips up there to the Northeast. They'll be very cheap. Um, we'll probably stay at the, uh, at the different churches. We're going to help them launch VBSs and do different stuff in the community. So I'm excited about actually doing mission trips in those areas. Uh, we do a lot around the globe. Uh, we've been going to El Salvador again for about 12, 13 years now. We're going to do two trips there this year. Uh, we're going to take a trip down to Guatemala We've been partnering with Eastern European Mission for several years. Dirk that comes to church here is the vice president, and uh, we've done a lot with them. I'm trying to get him to, to plug us into some churches in places like Norway and Finland and the Czech Republic, uh, where Christianity is like 1% in those areas. So we're trying to get in and just partner with churches in those areas. We sponsor people in Haiti, in Thailand, in South Africa, and in Egypt, and we do work in those areas as well. So, so a lot of great things are happening. We're seeing a lot of fantastic growth, very organic growth. God is bringing the growth, but with that comes a lot of, of logistical issues as well. And here's, here's, here's where we, we start to go downhill. So the first one is this, and you guys know this, uh, parking is, is very, very limited here. We have less than 500 spaces on our grounds 
Um, now we do five services. So one space equals five cars over the weekend, right? That can park there. Um, but even with doing five services, we should have a, more than double the parking spaces that we do have. So you guys know parking is, is pretty uh, complicated here. Um, our children's and nursery and student space is extremely limited. If you noticed, if you walked into this big foyer over here, we are expanding the nursery. So we're building a second nursery. We have about 1,700 children at this campus every single weekend. And so we are expanding that nursery and doing a second one. In order to do that though, the last point on this slide, all of my children's team that works here full-time, they all lost their offices. So they used to work in kind of a bullpen style over there. We pulled them out to make that a nursery. We're gonna then take up a life group space back here to house those 12 or 14, however, they, they, however many we have, I, I don't know, um, children's employees that will be back there. So we're like constantly robbing Peter to give to Paul and cutting up this building more and more and more. Um, we're very limited on life group space here. We just don't have the space to put people and we don't have the space to put people's children when they bring them all here for their life groups. Um, we're doing five services and it's hard to constantly keep up with serving and volunteers. Again, even things like parking. Parking here is like parking at Disney World. We have four buses, we have four golf carts, we have people out there directing, which by the way, let me throw that in there, like be nice to those people directing traffic, by the way, they're volunteers. It doesn't do good to like, you just left church. Don't cuss at people in our parking lot, right? So be nice, be patient. You probably don't have anything serious to do on Sunday. It's, it's fine, just, just, just be patient. There's only two ways out of this parking lot. So um, just be patient with us. So another thing is, is, and this is probably the best, I'm not kidding, of all five services. Uh, since we've grown, there's a lot of distractions in service. And again, I'm not saying this just because you're here. You're the biggest service and you're probably also the, the quietest. Um, and I don't mind amens and stuff like that, but sometimes if people are talking like, and I'm not saying any of you right here, but we're only like 15 feet away from each other. And if you've ever taught a lot of people while someone's also talking or like, there was a Saturday night service a couple of weeks ago, someone opened up a bag of Lay's potato chips on the front row. And I'm sitting there like, and my brain's on autopilot. Cause in my head, I'm like, why would someone open up a bag of, of Lay's on the front row? in a group of, you know, 1,200 people, why, why? But anyways, so just be cognizant of things like that. Um, if you have to go to the bathroom a lot, that's, that's fine. They're on these sides of the stages, maybe just sit more on the corners. Um, if you have children, we love children. There's not, I have two children, but, but just again, we have, we have two wonderful, about to be two wonderful nurseries. We're expanding our nursing mother's area so you can take advantage of that. Um, if you bring your children in here, even if they're quiet, just know that sometimes we talk about subject matter that is not always kid-friendly. It's not my fault. I didn't write this book. So sometimes we cover things that are quite adult. That's why we have children's programs so they can hear the word of God on a level that is a little bit more to their suiting. So these are just problems that we're having in our churches. And we have tried a lot of things to alleviate this problem. We do five services. I am not trying to be funny or dramatic. We can't do six. If you ever send me a text or an email or call me on a Sunday afternoon, I will not get it because I am completely passed out. I am, and, and I have 75 or 85 full-time employees um, that all do that. And like the, the, the men and women who, who volunteer up here to lead you worship, they're not all paid staff. Those, those individuals will do five services in a weekend. And... Um, we, we just can't do anymore. Well, I know a guy somewhere that does eight. Good for your friend or whoever you know that does that. I can't do it. Um, I've been giving up my weekends for a long time and I'm fine with that, uh, but I'm kind of at my capacity and I think my team is as well. We've cut up this building as much as we possibly know how to cut up this building because people will be like, well, why don't you just have more you know, room for small groups? Where? Where do you want me to put them? We used to have this beautiful chapel right over here and we had to knock it out and tear down this beautiful custom built brick wall because we ran out of space. We're just, we don't have the space. So we sacrifice offices and small group space to have more echo, that's our children, and nursery space and that's fine. We're using the parking of all the schools around here, of all the businesses around here. We don't know what else to do there. Um, we've looked at expanding. Uh, we looked at um, planting a second Murfreesboro campus. 
The problem with that is, is about 1,500 of you would have to leave this campus to go to that campus. So we'd have to plant a 1,500-person church day one. We don't have the staff for that. We don't have the finances for that. I tried to buy the Dillard's building here in town, uh, right by the mall. Uh, they're selling it for $10 million. I sent them a letter of intent and I said, we will give you 10 million, no questions asked. We had this building appraised for 13 million, so we could have done that and had some money to renovate that, which we would have had it done. Um, they refused our offer because we're a church. They will not sell it to us because we're a church. Um, we tried to buy the buildings behind our building. Uh, the owner of these buildings doesn't wanna sell us uh, those buildings. Um, we thought about buying out Mayday's lease. They still owe us 15 years of lease. That's about a million dollars. And I just have a hard time spending a million dollars for property that we already own. And so I'm just not in a place where I can mentally wrap myself around that. That would only give us about 10,000 square foot and it wouldn't solve any of our other problems. Um, we have talked to a company about out here where the hill is. We have two trees right there, this hill, this grass hill. We've talked about building a three-story parking garage and the top floor being all usable space, which is a great idea. That'll cost about 10 to $12 million. And um, I'm just kind of throwing my hands up going, I, I don't know what to do at this point. So the more and more we've looked at things, the more and more that we've looked at solutions and, and, and how we get out of this, and this is where, again, guys, we're gonna get uncomfortable for a minute. What it boils down to is we just don't have the money to do any of those things. So not only for our future growth, but the growth we will experience this year, um, we don't have the finances to, to, to meet all those needs. So we've explored every single option that we know to explore, uh, but the fact is our finances have to increase or we will not be able to do the things that we need to do. And even if we had all the money to fix it, it's still gonna take another year for us to build certain things. If we built a three-tier three, three -tier parking garage with space on top, it'll take us about, about 12 to, to, to 18 months to get that completely built and, and cost a, a ton of money. So things like that, we just don't know what to do. So that brings us to the topic of finances. And I'm going to build a case during this time. We always do finances when we do vision services. And now listen, if you're new here and you're like, oh, another mega church pastor who's trying to get rich. Now, hold on. I know I give off the vibes of decadence, but I'm going to prove to you. I did get a swatch watch for Christmas. So um, anyways, I know that I, I give off those vibes, but I'm going to prove to you that, that not only are we not getting rich off your giving, but that we're using your giving wisely. So in 2023, our budget was 9.9 .9 million. Um, it actually cost us 10.9 million because we grew 42% and we weren't expecting that. The church gave just short of 13, which is good because we needed to do a lot of build out. We needed to put some money in savings. So, so that's good. Our budget for this year is always based on the previous year. So we've always done that. So if you guys, you know, if, if, if there was a million dollars given this year, our budget for the following year is going to be a million. That's just the most modest, simple way, conservative way to build a budget. So that's what our budget is, 13 million. Now of that, 35%, $4.56 million goes to paid staff. Now, I know that that's a lot of money. Statistically, churches in the United States, it is 55% of their budget goes towards staff. So again, if someone, and I'm not saying anyone in this room is doing this, but inevitably someone's going to think this, well, they're just trying to get rich. Our average salary at this church is $54,760. Um, it's not an awful salary, but it's not a wealthy salary either. We have people with master's degrees. Um, making in that range that work here, people who have decades of experience making in that range. So I show you that. We're not complaining. Um, you know, I don't, I don't, we're not looking for sympathy or any of that. We're all fine. My, my, my employees never complain about what they're, what they're paid to do because they're called. But uh, to work six days a week, to give up all your weekends and, and to make in the mid fifties, uh, it's not extravagant by any stretch. We pay the police department and the sheriff's department to be here six days a week. They're here every single day except for Friday in the rooms, walking around. That costs us about $79,000 a year. We pay an outside CPA just to make sure that we're doing, they do not come to church here. So we purposely found a CPA that doesn't attend church here to audit us quarterly, to keep an eye on our finances, just to make sure that we're doing everything the way that we're supposed to. 
This is the breakdown of the four campuses and how much it costs to operate them for the year. Our ministry expenses are all the things that goes into, um, that can be uh, food for our volunteers who, who do stuff, our different printing materials, our curriculums, things like that. Operating costs, that's build outs, that's maintenance, things like that, utilities. Just so you know, building out a second nursery that gives us about 50% more space, just that alone costs $200,000. And that's with us doing all the demo. That's with people who already work here, tearing everything down, throwing it away, and then paying people to come in and do the stuff that we can't do because you have to have permits and things like that. That costs $200,000 just to expand that. Things are expensive, guys. Very expensive. Now, our outreach and our benevolence will be just short of 3.9 million. By the end of the year, we will do well over $4 million to benevolence. That's 30% of our income goes out. Now, another one that is important if you're new here is we are a completely debt-free church. Now, that's not just, that's not just this campus. We have four churches in four counties. We rent our building in Tullahoma because it's a brand new church. Uh, but the other three buildings are, are bought and paid for. Um, we never took out loans for them. We made relationships with the owners and we would work out deals to where we would either pay them off over time uh, and not have to go through a bank or anything like that, or we just write a check for the entire building. But we are completely debt-free. So again, I'm trying to show you that we use your money wisely, that we steward it well. And again, I'm gonna reiterate this. Our team earns 35% of our budget compared to 55% nationally. And our church gives away 30% compared to 10% nationally. So we, we live on less if we work here and we give away more than, than any church I've ever seen in the United States that I'm aware of. So here's the thing. If you are giving to this church and serving at this church, I, I, I can't tell you thank you enough. It is all because of that that we've been able to do the amazing things that we've been able to do for the last almost 14 years. But here's the hard part. Our giving is not that good. This is a hard thing for me to say to you. Um, very hard thing for me to say. We made a video last month talking about how generous of a congregation that we have. And if you look at the numbers, uh, we, we misled you. It's not that, that we're a generous congregation, but my team that works here is a very sacrificial staff. The fact is, on average in the United States, 14,000 churches from all areas, from rural to urban, from small to big, from affluent to poor areas, were all polled in the average giving per person per year. That includes children and everything. So you take the, 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 the total amount of giving and then the total amount of people who come and divide the two. And the average is 2340 per person per year. This campus gives 1850 per person per year. And this is the highest of all four campuses per person per year. So what that means is our contributions, our giving is, is subpar, somewhere in the neighborhood of about $4.5 million less than what it should be if we were just doing what the average Christian does in the United States. So again, this sounds really rude, and I'm not trying to sound this, and I'm not trying to sound like a martyr. It's not that our church is giving, it's good, but our church's stewardship of that giving is very, very good and we're very sacrificial with it. So I don't know who gives at this church. If you give or don't give, I don't know. I don't wanna know. If you don't give and you feel convicted this weekend to start giving, you don't need to let me know that. Because I, quite frankly, I don't wanna know who contributes. So whether one believes that the New Testament church is supposed to tithe, and I'll talk about that here or not, whether they believe that to be biblical or not is beside the point. One cannot argue biblically, and I'll show you here in a second, that giving is not a part of Christianity. It takes money to advance the gospel. When we, when we got 40,000 Bibles to give away to Russia and Ukraine several years back, those Bibles cost money. Um, whenever we plant churches, that costs money. Whenever we do missions work, it's odd to me. The same people who criticize, well, why doesn't the church do more for the homeless? Well, if you're not giving to the church, what are we supposed to do it with? We do a lot for the homeless. But if people complain, why doesn't the church do more? You're the church. I'm not the church. We're the church. And so we have to talk about that. And so when it comes to, to, to biblical giving, and I'm not saying this again to sound like a martyr, 
I feel like maybe I have dropped the ball over the last 15 years of teaching biblical giving. The only time I talk about money is when the scripture brings it up, but we do these vision services and maybe I have not done a good job of just simply explaining to people what this is to tithe and to give offerings. So tithing, and I'm gonna use myself as an example. I'm gonna show you scripture here in a second, but I'm gonna use myself and not to brag on myself, but I can only speak from my experience because I don't know if you give or not. Tithing biblically is, is giving a tenth of your first fruits to the work of the ministry, uh, a tenth of what you make to the work of the ministry. Now, in my wife and I's life, this is what we do. Everyone on my staff tithes. It's actually part of our job description. So if we're not tithing here, that is a fireable offense at this church because I think it's a biblical thing. So when I get my paycheck, the first thing my wife and I do is we give 10% right back to the church on the first and the 15th. That's what we do every single month. It's our first fruits before we pay our bills, before we go out and buy clothes for our kids, before we, anything. First thing we do is give our 10% back. That's how we operate. Now, on top of that, there are offerings. And these are things given above what you, what you give to the church. And, and I'm not trying to be mean here, but nonprofits are not tithing. So I've literally had people say to me, this is a real true story, right? The names have been changed, but I've had people come up to me over the years and go, well, I give to a dog shelter here in town. It's part of my tithing. Well, they're not teaching the gospel to those dogs. Um, and it doesn't advance the kingdom of God. I love dogs. I have a dog, right? But, but that's not tithing. That might be offerings, what you give above and beyond. For instance, my wife and I support a couple of kids in Africa through Compassion. And we also sponsor a, a friend of ours in Washington, D.C., who teaches Taekwondo to inner city kids for free and teaches them the gospel. That's our offerings. Um, that doesn't take away, though, to what we contribute to the church. So the, the, the Old Testament talks about this quite a bit. And we'll talk about this. So in Proverbs, Solomon says, honor the Lord with your possessions, with the first produce of your entire harvest. Then your barns will be completely filled and your vats will overflow with new wine. Malachi says that in not nearly as nice of a way as Solomon does. Malachi says, will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. That's God talking. Malachi says, how do we rob you? God says, by not making the payments of the 10th and the contributions, you are suffering under a curse, yet you, the whole nation, are robbing me. Bring the full 10th into the storehouse so that you may have food in my house. Test me in this way. See if I will not open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing for you without measure. Now listen, that's not talking about prosperity gospel. That if you give $100, you're gonna get home and there's gonna be 200 sitting on your front porch. That's not what that's talking about. What that's talking about though is we honor God, we collectively bring our, our, our resources together. So if someone's house catches on fire, we can help with that. So if the roof gets blown off the Salvation Army like it did about six years ago, the church can write a check and replace their roof, right? So if we need more space for nursery, that we can pay for that, that we can take care of that. So people will argue though, and I've had lots of happy individuals send me you know, great emails about how we're not supposed to give to the church. And they'll say things like, well, tithing is not mentioned in the New Testament. And they're correct. 10% specifically is not mentioned in the New Testament. Jesus alludes to it in Matthew chapter 23, but he does not blatantly say 10%. I think one can make a strong argument though, that when you get into the New Testament, the attitude of giving in the New Testament is, and I'll read you a couple of scripture is, give as God has blessed you. And in a first world nation where we are, all have $1,500 phones in our pockets, we've been blessed, guys. We've been blessed. And so we are to give as we have been blessed, that we're to be generous. Why? Because Christ died on a cross for us. That, it was mandatory to give 10% in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, the Bible calls us to examine our hearts and, and, and how much has God blessed you? We'll be generous like that. Now, let me go back one. Now, in my life, and I put personally, because I cannot show you this in the Bible, it's not biblical, this is my personal thought. In my life, 10% is just a good baseline for me. God has blessed me, and if 10% of my income goes back to the work of the Lord, to me, that's, 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 I've always lived better off 90% and trusted God with that 10 than I could have ever lived on 100% of my own income. God's always taken care of me. And so that's just a baseline for my wife and I. That's where we've always hung out. Now, Paul writes this about giving. Now, about the collection for the saints, do the same as I instructed the Galatian church. On the first day of the week, 
That's payday. Each of you is to set something aside and save in keeping for how he is prospering so that no collections will, be, uh, will have to be made when I come. Now look, let me focus on the, the second part of that blue part. If you've come to this church for any length of time, we have never done a building campaign. I've never begged you for money. I've never made you sign a pledge card. I've never done any of that because I don't think churches should have to do that. If we are all setting aside every week what we're supposed to be setting aside for the work of God, that when an immediate need comes up, the church shouldn't have to beg for people to give. That's what Paul is saying right here. If we're all just pulling our weight, we shouldn't have to freak out when we're out of space. That's what Paul is saying. And when I arrive, I will send letters with, uh, with who you recommend to carry your gift. They were taking it to Jerusalem to help other Christians. They're doing missionary work with this money. And so this is a biblical thing. And look at this. So some people say, well, Corey, we give as we've prospered. So I'm not prospering that much, which I can make an argument about that. But Paul says this, during a severe trial brought by affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity. So it says, I can testify that according to their ability and even beyond their ability, they begged us to contribute. The, the, the congregation begged Paul, like, please take my money and go do something godly with this. Please advance the kingdom with this. They begged him for that, for the sharing of the ministry of the saints. So here's the thing. And, and you can disagree with me and get offended by this all you want, but generosity is a, is, a, is a mile marker of a mature Christian. And we are blessed when we are generous. That doesn't always mean financially. So I believe God has, has protected my marriage, has protected my kids, has kept his hand on me, not because I tithe, but because I give my whole heart to him in everything that I do. And I'm not perfect. I'm just using myself as an example. But if we do trust God with our finances and live by biblical financial teaching, we will be more secure because we're not greedy, we're not materialistic, we're not living in insurmountable debt, and it creates an opportunity for us to be financially secure and to then bless others with our finances. Jesus also said this, and if you're in this room this morning, I'm not trying to be mean, but you're like, I trust God with everything, why should I have to give to the church? Well, if you're holding back that one thing, you're willing to give everything except for those finances. Jesus said where your treasure is, that's where your heart is too. And for the love of money is the root of all evil. That's also in there, right? So we just need to examine our hearts. Here's the thing I hope I've proven to you this morning that, that we don't advertise or use gimmicks. We don't waste your money on, we have no moving lights. We have no fog machines. We have these LED panels, but they're made in China. I'm surprised they've lasted as long as they have, but you have to see the words. So we do the bare minimum that we do to get by. This carpet that you're sitting on is absolutely atrocious. The reason why we haven't replaced it though, is it will cost about $70,000 to do that. And man, with $70,000, we can do a ton of benevolent work in this community. So we put the carpet on the back burner so we can do other things with it. And so we, I hope that we have proven to you that, 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 we're, that we're living and handling your money in a frugal, conservative manner. We're the most benevolent church we know to be. My, my staff works very, very hard for, for, for decent pay, but not an exorbitant amount of money. And so what we're saying is we, we hope that you trust us and all of us are going to have to get behind this if we're going to figure out what we're going to do in the future. But here's where I find myself. I'm just being very transparent with all of you. For the first time in 15 years, I have no answers. Well, what are we gonna do about the growth? I don't know. I've tried everything I know to do. Someone sent me, a friend of ours sent me a message last night. She's a realtor and said, hey, the State Farm Building is for sale on the other side of town. It's for sale for $45 million. I know some churches are, are, are happy as a lark to get into that kind of debt. Not this one. I just can't do it. I don't know what else to do. Again, we've never done pledges. We've never done campaigns. I'm not going to do that to you. We can't do more services. Again, we can't even facilitate the volunteers for the five services we currently have most of the time, let alone if we were to add another one. We can't creatively cut up this space any more than we have. 
Something has to give. There's only so much square footage. Most churches our size have three, four, five hundred thousand square foot. We have 92. So, so there's nothing else we can do here. I don't, I don't know what to do. And something has to give. The majority of our time, man, I think most people think my job is just like sitting in a, in a, in a wooden library, like studying old commentaries for 35 hours a week and then preaching for another five. No, the majority of my meetings are about logistics. Where do we put these 150 kids? Where do we put this group? Where do we do this? How are we gonna handle this? Do we need to buy more buses? All of these facility and parking issues and all the stuff that I never wanted to bog me down and keep me up at night. But these are the things keeping us up at night. These are the things that we can't find solutions for. And so God is blessing this church, but like we have to figure something out. And I often think, how much more could we do for the community if we weren't constantly just worried about facilities and budgets and logistics and all of this kind of garbage? So here's the thing. Well, so if we give a bunch of money, what are we going to do? Build a big extravagant thing? Maybe put a Ferris wheel out in the parking lot, some stupid crap like that? We don't do that. We don't have bunnies jumping out of airplanes for Easter. We don't blow your money on stupid garbage. If you guys don't give, that means that we cannot create more space for your children, that we're always going to have to park behind factories. My, and I'm not complaining for my staff, my staff that works here, we have not parked on campus in like five years. It, it, we've always, and that's fine. We're not going to have more room for life groups and, and, and free childcare. Can I tell you something? And, and listen, I love all of you and I love you if you've done this, but, but man, I need you to learn from this. We're so tight. Our child care for all of our small groups is paid child care. The reason why we do that is we can hold them at a very high standard because they're employees, right? So we're at a very high standard of excellence because they're watching your kids for different small groups and stuff throughout the week. We had such a problem with people dropping off their kids and their small groups not even on campus. They just wanted free child care. Not only that, we had people dropping off their kids and then going on dates, and so what we had to do is we had to, we had to, we had to create a sign-up sheet when you drop your kids off throughout the week for our small groups. And you have to write down who your small group leader is so we can check up on you like you're a child. That's freaking tacky, guys. And it's unethical and it's not very Christ-like. And so those same people go, well, why can't we do our group on campus? Where? Why can't we have free childcare? With what money? Where do you want it to come from? And so I'm getting more and more comfortable when people complain about things like that to me. I'm simply going to ask, are you serving and giving? No, then you're the problem. That's the problem. If we're going to have those things, it doesn't just come out. There's not a money tree behind this place. There's not a volunteer tree. Oh, let's go get 12 more volunteers. Let's go do that. If we're going to have the massive impact that we've had on this city, our country, literally all over the world, we're the church. And we all have to get behind that and get behind what God is doing. Listen, all that being said, this is a great church. It is a great, if you're new here, get choked up saying this. If you are new here, this is lightning in a bottle. There is something amazing about this place. I have never seen God do things like he is doing at this place. I've never seen the diversity of people. I've never seen the, the transformation, such radical transformation over the years. I've never seen it. But we have to be careful that that lightning in a bottle, that we don't taint that or alter that or, or try to manipulate that or change that. We have to stick with what God has asked us to do. Here's the other thing. We are not manufacturing the growth. I, we don't have billboards with my face on it on I-24. We're, we're not taking out ads in newspapers. We're not, we don't do all that stuff. We're, we're not, we're not, we're tucked away in a, in a weird part of town. And, and again, you have to search hard to find us and then park behind a factory six blocks away and hop on a bus to get over here. We're not doing anything to manufacture this growth. God is doing something miraculous. And if God is doing it, we need to figure out how to facilitate what God is doing. So how can we do that? Listen, first, please, please, please be patient with us. We are working with rapid growth and limited resources. 
Well, Corey, it's crammed in here. It's uncomfortable. Man, the cross was uncomfortable. Guys, let's get over our first world selves a little bit. If it's a little cramped, if it's a little uncomfortable, there's still heat in here. If it rains or snows, it's not gonna get on you. Man, guys, come on. Like, like if we have to sit on the floor, and stuff, that's exciting, that's, that's okay. Just be patient with us. Please make church a priority. Even when it's cold outside, even when football's on television, even when it's raining, make church a priority. This is for you, it's not for us. Don't just be here though, get in that process. If you haven't been to a next class, come to our next one. Walk around with us, take a tour. I love hugs, give me a hug. Let me, let me introduce myself and, and, and get, to, you know, get to know you and come to a next class. Go to following Jesus, go to authentic discipleship, get in a group, serve, get into that process. Tomorrow we start a 40 day fast. It, yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to clap for that if you've been through that with us before. You're like, Now listen, it's tough, guys. I'm not lying to you. I've been doing this for 18 years now. 15 years with the church, and I did it about three years before I started the church. It is tough. I'm also gonna tell you this. If you do this fast and you're committed to it, there'll probably, no, there'll, there'll probably be nothing more spiritual that you'll ever take part in than a 40-day fast like this. It is deeply spiritual. You'll see transformation. You'll see amazing things happen during the... And look at this. We talked about tithing earlier. The reason why we do it at the beginning of the year in 40 days is you're giving more than 10% of your year to prayer and fasting right off the bat. 365 days a year, you're giving 40 right up front. You're giving your first fruits of your year right to God with your time and your energy. It's a great way to start your year. Join us in that. Starts tomorrow. Here's the other thing. We talked about this last week and I mean this. We do everything we do so people will do this. If you wanna help me, pray. Pray for yourself, pray for me, pray for your city, pray for your family, talk to God. Read the word of God, listen to what God tells you to do and do it. There is no silver bullet for life change. There is no secret sauce. There is no motivational speaker or self-help book that's instantly going to fix you. You know what will fix you? Talking to God, reading the word of God, listening to God, obeying God. That's what will save your soul and radically change your life. Please do that. Also, prayerfully consider giving. Now listen, if you all start giving today on a regular basis and our, let, I don't know, let's say our finances double, praise God, we'll do great things with it. My personal life will not change at all. The only thing that might change in my personal life is I will stress less about facilities and more about ministry. It does not affect my salary or any of our salaries one penny. Listen, I'm not saying this to be snarky. If this church was 120th the size that it is right now, five, 600 people, if it were that big, there are pastors of churches, five, 600 people that make more than I do is a church of 8,500. 8, I, I know that for a fact. So my personal income will not change at all. If this church was one, one 20th its size, I could still make as much and have a lot less to deal with, right? But that's not what, what I'm saying is, I'm not gonna benefit from that. It will go to serving our city. It will go to planting churches, doing uh, uh, missions work all over the world, advancing the gospel. That's what your finances will go towards. Please also consider serving. We have a volunteer fair. We're gonna do it tomorrow. We're gonna get snowmageddon. So we're gonna do it the following Monday. Three inches of snow in Tennessee is like, you know, eight foot of snow anywhere else in the northern part of the country. But um, anyways, so we will do the volunteer fair, not this Monday, but the following Monday. Please come to that. Pick up some swag, right? Don't just pick up some swag. Sign up for some stuff. That'd be rude. Just come get a bunch of free stuff and then split. No, sign up for something to serve in. Couple more slides and I'm done. The first thing is this. When we started this church in 09, we start, when I say we, me, my wife, and one other guy, when we started this church, we started it for non-believers who were looking for truth, for believers who wanted to grow deeper in that truth, for people who were not just content being a disciple, they wanted to make disciples, and not just for people to come in and consume, but to eventually give back to our community. 
I'm not trying to be rude here this morning. If you're just looking to be entertained, there's other churches in this area that would love to just entertain you so they can boast about how many people they have. That's not what we do here. Um, we, we, we are in this together, right? This isn't like, you know, free show and, and dinner or what, that's not what this is. That's not what this is. We are all in this together, okay? So if that's what this church is about, maybe some of us in the room need to, to sincerely ask ourselves, is, this, is that what we want? Do we want to grow in our faith? And if we say yes to that, growing in our faith means that we are committed to serving. We're committed to giving. We're committed to being involved in the community and getting to know other people in this community. And if you're not looking for those things, I'm not trying to be rude, this is probably not a good fit for you. It's probably not where you need to be. Again, if you just want to be entertained or check off a box or go once a month and just sit and consume and never give back to the, this is probably not the place. So again, we have to be humble. We have to be focused. We have to be selfless. We have to be hungry. Because listen, guys, you and I, you and I, all of us, we are invited to participate in not just seeing marriages get restored and hungry people be fed and, and, and people in the prison be, be visited and, and ministered to. Those are biblical things, by the way. It's not just those things that we get to be a part in. It's not just getting the first baby box in Rutherford County that we paid for or, or supporting mobile ultrasound units or, or supporting work in, in multiple continents. And all those things are great, but you and I get to be instrumental in seeing people be saved saved for their eternities to be changed. And so this isn't just, this isn't just the job of the people who, who work here full time. We're the church, man. And we are your servants, but, but, but we just need help. For the first time in 15 years, guys, I'm throwing up my hands and I'm going, we need help. We need help. We need help. We desperately need all of us to get behind this mission because we are the salt and the light, according to Matthew chapter five. It is our job. More than ever, I'm 44. I got saved when I was 23. In the last 21 years, and maybe some of you older people in here can even attest to this more. In my life, it has never been more clear how vital the local church is to the city. I'm not just talking about this city. I'm talking about every city that the, the local church has got to step up and be the church. If, if the United States, the world, but especially our, our neck of the world, if we have ever needed the church to really be the church, man, it's right now. We need it big time, okay? Would you bow your heads with me, please? Thank you for your patience this morning. If you are in this room and maybe you are not a believer, maybe you have questions. Again, we'll be back in the scripture next week. But if you want to ask any questions, Savut is up here, Pastor Savut. He does um, all of our life group stuff. He's in charge of all of our development, things like that. If you want to ask Savut anything, he'll do his best to field your questions. We also have men and women on both sides of the stage. If you need prayer for anything in your life, it doesn't have to do with anything we talked about today. Anything, there's men and women on both sides of the stage. The last thing is, all the way around the room where we see a lamp on a table and then the majority of these pillars in the room, there is bread and wine and that represents the body and blood of Jesus Christ, communion. We invite everyone to take communion as long as you've asked Jesus to forgive you of your sin. Please be respectful of people if you decide not to do that. Um, just please be considerate of others, please. And then at the end, Mitch will dismiss you and, and, and we'll be able to go, okay? Let me pray for us. Father God, we love you. Lord, I thank you so much for this church. God, there's, there's no group of people I'd rather be around. Father, I just pray that we can all feel the weight and, and, and that we can share that weight and we can share that responsibility and we can get behind, God, what you're doing and that we can do uh, what we need to do, God, to have the space for people to hear the gospel and to be fed and to be clothed and for churches to be started and for ministry to be done. God, Lord, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. We thank you so much, God. Protect everyone in this room until we meet again. We pray all these things in your son's name, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate you. You're welcome to help yourself.